Welcome to the podcast from Eden Worship Center. Because we believe that it is God's Word that does God's work in God's people, we want you to hear the gospel preached in the gathering of believers. We want you to read it for yourself and to join us as we think together and talk together about the sermon from this past week and what's going on in our world. You can join the conversation by sending in your comments and questions to EdenWC at Hotmail.com. May God cause His Word to come alive in your heart today. Well, welcome everybody to the Midweek Podcast. Pastor Matt here. And Pastor John. All right. So joining again for the Midweek Podcast, talking about the sermon. I I always love that we get to do this and kind of reprocess some of these things from God's Word um, I was reminded this morning at the men's prayer meeting, uh, we were, there's an awesome handful of guys who get together, mm-hmm. uh, read through, going through the Psalms and reading through, praying through the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, number one, before I get to the point, I love that it's <laughs> praying with your eyes open. So yes. when you're praying at six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> odds are, now it, it, it's not a, it's not a guarantee. Odds are you're not going to fall asleep. Yes. Yeah. And just praying through God's word in a group is so encouraging and just kind of it refreshing is. to the soul. Uh, but yes. I was reminded in that conversation with one of the guys who was here that we don't have time to get to the fullness of everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, we we're taking chunks. So right now in Genesis, we're looking at like a chapter at a time mm-hmm. this coming week. Good grief. We're going to get the <laughs> end of chapter 19 and all of chapter 20. Mm-hmm. So put a seatbelt on because we, we got a yeah. lot of ground to cover. We're gonna move pretty quick. But yep. that yep. it means you don't have time to fully cover everything you'd like to say. Oh yeah, and everything that's there. Yeah. And I think the other side is uh even if we really broke it up into small pieces, mm-hmm. that I mean, so you look at John MacArthur and some of his treatment of these passages, and it's just small bits over a long period of time. Uh, You go back to other guys that we, we actually mentioned some of this in the adult Sunday school on Sunday, Uh, guys like Spurgeon who would take, all right, we're going to look at two words in this verse (laughs) and then just like explode it from there. Yeah. So no matter what God's word is limitless, we will, we will never plumb the depths of it. Yep. It's like we dig up a treasure and we have time to show off a couple of the coins. Yeah. That, that's all we got time for. Here, that's it. Here are two of the coins. That here's I, here's yeah. two. The rest of the collection is in the treasury. Yes. For all Christians in all times. Uh, kind of awesome. <clears throat> just a, a, a side thought, given the fact that just a couple days was Reformation Day. Mm-hmm. And the world celebrated Halloween. Right. Uh, but as believers, especially evangelical believers, we remember... Uh, Martin Luther's inauguration, accidental yes. inauguration of the uh, Protestant Reformation, it just sort of yeah. reforming the church again and again, and it happens periodically through time back towards faithfulness in the scripture mm-hmm. and nailing those 95 theses to the door. Yep. And um, I think it's just super important as we talk about God's word to be reminded number one, God's word stands supreme. Yep. Over all, all that we believe, all that we do as a church, mm-hmm. everything as corporate, everything as individuals. But one of the things that Luther really pushed for in the Reformation was 
the ability of every individual believer to come to God's word, read God's word, mm-hmm. understand and interpret God's word, which is a little dangerous. And in, <laughs> in fact, the, uh, the Roman church back in the day was burning people for such a thing. Yes. Uh, if you would write it in a language that the people could have, because it was, it was too dangerous. Now mm-hmm. I think we need to be careful as we do that to go, uh, they didn't just think it was the people were dangerous. They really said God's word is precious. And if we get this wrong mm-hmm. and they will, right, then we can't let this happen. Now, the fatal flaw in their thinking was not knowing they could get it wrong. <laughs> yes. Which is why all Luther was trying to do was have a conversation like yeah. brothers. He, he was a Roman monk at that time. Yeah. Brothers, let's think about this. I think we need to reform back to scripture a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't have the conversation. And that yep. sparked the Protestant Reformation yep. to and, the glory of God. And we see that danger even now, you know, the sola scriptura, scripture alone. Uh, like what you're saying, that when it comes to matters of faith, matters of life, scripture reigns supreme. But today we we see some of the people take it where, oh, scripture alone, sola scriptura, scripture alone. I don't need a teacher. Yeah. I don't need anybody to tell me what it means. And that's not what sola scriptura is about. Yeah. I don't need anybody who's come before. I don't need a church. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need a, a broad council of people. It's just me and Jesus and my Bible. Yeah. And that's it. Well, that's how cults get started. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> because we, you're making the same fatal flaw that the Roman church did back in the 1500s, which is, I can't be wrong. Yes. And I always find it rather ironic, the people who think that way, oh, no, all I need is scripture. Scripture is all I need. Oh, the scripture that says that God gives teachers to the church? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that scripture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giving gifts to the church in the form of... <laughs> Men. Yeah. Good. Good reminder. That's, yes. and I think part of our thinking about God's word, and we're looking specifically at John eight this week, it was part of our series on uh, discipleship, uh, follow me, which the mm-hmm. last Sunday of every month, we sort of stop and look at that and thinking about what it means in discipleship and, and that under discipleship, we also have evangelism. Yes. Uh, evangelism is not something separate. Like right. first there's evangelism where you get them saved. And then second it's disciple. Like it's all discipleship. Yes. We are calling them towards obedience in Christ. Uh, we are modeling that we are walking with them, encouraging them, and then hopefully turning them around where they are reaching out to those who are around them as yeah. well. Uh, but one of the things that we kind of started off with on Sunday is the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do it. It doesn't tell us how we're supposed to do it. Yeah. Yep. Which I get it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but on some level you're like, you know what? It'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if we at least had something that went like, well, here's the six easy steps. Yes. The, the first, the first three are for salvation. They're for evangelism. The second three are for discipleship. <laughs> Like, can I get bullet points instead of verse numbers? Yeah. <laughs> it would just make it so much easier. Yes. Uh, but if now in the wisdom of God, if he had done that with almost anything in scripture, number one, we would enshrine it. Yep. We would make that process holy in itself. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be a work of works rather than a work of grace unto yep. salvation. Yep. Uh, number two, it wouldn't fit well in every culture, in every time, in every place. Right. And it, it would... It would just sort of be out of sync where 
the obedience to follow Christ actually fits for all people in all times and all yes. places. Yes. It, it, it strangely kind of looks like God knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, the sad reality is we don't often know what we're doing. <laughs> yes. Because we are looking for bullet points. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think that's why we need to approach this with a certain level of humility, especially when it comes to the practicum of it. Yeah, yeah. And it, okay, how do we live this out? How do we implement this in a church? Uh, So you'll have some churches, just the two opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to evangelism. You'll have some churches where evangelism is programmed infinitum like Mm -hmm. it there's no end to it at all so uh local evangelism and what they mean by that is we're having this on saturday and this on tuesdays and we're doing this Mm -hmm. uh one sunday a month and you know i mean that kind of thing where everything is we are scheduling evangelism for you Mm -hmm. locally uh past our local context it's all about short-term missions and long-term missions and and everything Mm -hmm. in between and and that, that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum uh, is sending missionaries to those who have not heard, mm-hmm. but says the actual work of missions is the proclamation of the gospel. Right. And therefore, it's the responsibility of the believer to share at work, in mm-hmm. life. Yep. And then we're proclaiming the gospel in the pulpit. And that is how we see transformation happen. Mm-hmm. And it, we do zero programming that oh. ours we tend to swing more that direction. Right. Uh, although I think we could do a little bit better. In, yeah. It doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be a pendulum where it's just, you know, yeah. we're all this or we're all that. It, I think there, there's a healthy balance. But within that, that's just an illustration within evangelism mm-hmm. that there's really, really different thoughts and approaches to it. Yeah. And the Bible doesn't say thou shalt do this. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's, there's absolutely zero evidence in scripture of the new Testament church organizing a Saturday event in the park where they get a couple <laughs> loudspeakers and try and draw a crowd. Yep. And there's tons of evidence of like, as God moves in the moment, Peter stands up and a couple thousand yeah. people get saved. Yep. So it's this mixture. And it, and so here again is something else we were looking at. What does it look like to share our faith? Is it, is it just those kind of public event type sharing, Mm. uh, or, you know, even if it's not a a public speaking event, a, you know, well, we're, we're handing out something door to door and we're knocking on doors trying to do it. Or is it a relational thing where we're, we're knocking on the doors, but those doors are our neighbors. Mm -hmm. We're building relationship with them over a long period of time and, you know, attempting to see, uh, seeds of the gospel planted in those. Yeah. And scripture doesn't give us one or the other. Right. We have narrative examples of relational and then public declarations of truth where yeah. they didn't even know him. Yeah. I, I think of Paul on uh, <coughs> Mars Hill. I mean, he didn't know any of those guys. Yeah. Yet it was a powerful uh, presentation. And then we see in Acts other times where it was one-on-one. Yeah. We, we see them both. Which leaves us in an interesting spot. <laughs> We're like, okay, so how do we proceed with this? And I think one of the things that we have tried to do now, now short of, of programming evangelism for people mm-hmm. um, is our community groups are going through this book, joining Jesus on his mission mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. attempting to recognize there are, there are things that God is doing in friends and family 
and neighbors around us that we're not even aware of. We're not paying any attention. Right. Because we just think about ourselves most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of the whole point of our community group studying through this book and having discussions through it and talking through it and and praying about it Mm -hmm. is God, how do I pay more attention? How do I open my eyes to what you're already doing in these people that are surrounding me? Mm -hmm. And then how do I join in what you're already doing? How do I get involved in that? Yeah. But there's a huge danger in that, in that we see the primary thing as building friendships Friendships, rather than, uh, the proclamation of the gospel unto salvation. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of what I was shooting at most of Sunday and looking at this passage in John eight mm-hmm. is when we are building those friendships, like we say it's for the gospel, but what we really want is friends. Yeah. Cause I'm lonely. Yep. Are you willing to lose that friendship for the sake of the gospel? If the answer is no, then you're not in it for the That's gospel. exactly right. Exactly right. When push comes to shove and for the sake of the gospel, will you say something that you know apart from the grace of God? And, and this mm-hmm. is the super important bit because it's yeah. not about me saying the right thing at the right time and them getting it. Now, we want to be careful how we talk. You know, <laughs> Let the truth offend, not us. Yeah, don't be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when those times come to speak hard and difficult truth to call sin, sin, to call sinners to repentance. Mm -hmm. If we shy away from doing that because we think, well, this is going to damage the friendship. Mm -hmm. It was never for the gospel because you wanted a friend. Yeah. (laughs) Like you said, Sunday, get a dog. dog. (laughs) I couldn't believe that popped out of my mouth. Like, Oh my goodness. What kind of jerk says that sort of stuff? (laughs) Uh, And I think one thing going into it uh, is important is that while we talk about the method being fluid with where we're at, with the person, where we're at in the culture, while the method might be fluid, the gospel is not. Unchanging. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, We may present it in different ways, but it's always the same thing. If, if we start changing the gospel according to the situation, then it's not the gospel. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's an important thing as we talk about the different ways and means to do this doesn't mean there are, is a, a different gospel. Yeah. And it, sadly, I think there are temptations to change the gospel or soften the gospel Mm-hmm. in our culture, especially our, our yeah. culture where it is super offensive to tell anyone that they're wrong, especially mm-hmm. with something that they, they love or feel or say identifies them. Yeah. And this isn't just in realms of human identity and sexuality. Uh, we have all kinds of things where we, we love this and it kind of identifies our life. It, it marks mm-hmm. our life. And to go to someone and say, friend, this is idolatry. Mm-hmm. You're worshiping something other than the one true God is really offensive. In a tolerant yeah. society, quote unquote tolerant, <laughs> uh, that's that's what they say we will not tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. Are we willing to say and do those things for the sake of the gospel, knowing mm-hmm. their eter- eternal soul is actually what's at stake. Yes. It's not our friendship. Right. I mean, you can, you can friend them all the way into hell mm-hmm. and feel really good about yourself. Like, Oh, isn't it nice? I'm a Christian. I get to go to <laughs> heaven, man. I'm glad I didn't ruin that relationship by <laughs> <laughs> yes. pointing them towards Jesus. 
Well, we, we have to realize that holiness and happiness are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. But you can't, but the pursuit of one may negate the pursuit of the other. Yeah. Um, if you are pursuing happiness, then you're not pursuing holiness. But if you're pursuing holiness, oh yeah, there is going to be happiness as well. Maybe not all the time, but we have to be more concerned with the holiness of our relationships over the happiness of yeah. those relationships. Yeah. And I think sadly, one of the, one of the things that keeps us from sharing that truth is we look at what are the potential consequences that could come. Mm-hmm. If, if I say this, Oh no, I've known this person a long time. They're not going to like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to, they're going to get mad. They're going to turn on me. And we read a, a verse this morning in, uh, the men's prayer thing. And it was, uh, they bless with their lips, but they're cursing in their hearts. Uh, yeah. And like, I know this person, that's what they do. And I, I think we have to be reminded that the power of salvation doesn't come through human wisdom. It is the yep. supernatural power of God where God takes a dead heart and makes it alive, a yes. dark heart and turns the light on it. And so every time that we're sharing with someone it's not just about how smart you can be, how convincing you can be. We're saying, God, would you cause their dead heart to come alive? Yes. And we're we're actually stepping out onto the plank. We're putting all of our hope, all of our weight on the fact that your heart is dead in sin, and it's the power of God that can make you come alive. Yep. And it. So I'm going to proclaim truth and beg God to do that. Yes. Like we're 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 stepping into the realm of the impossible mm-hmm. for us. Which is why, yeah, there's a decent chance that you might see a break in this relationship. Mm-hmm. But how many of us had had somebody share truth with us? Yep. And we didn't. We were in a time in a season we didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Only that seed went. Uh, those who were believers went deep inside, and we couldn't dislodge it. Yeah. Like we tried. You know, yep. <laughs> uh, heart, yep. attitude, actions. We were trying to rip that sucker out of there. Mm-hmm. And maybe it even separated that relationship. But that separation became part of what God used to draw us. Yes, absolutely. And I was going over a Bible verse with Liam this morning out of well, out of John uh, chapter 1, where it says, And to those he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of flesh, but of the will of God. Um and what you were saying earlier about it's, it's not about if we're smart, or if we say it just right. It's not about who our parents are. It's not about how hard we try. It's yeah. not about what other people think about us. Yep. This is, God, would you cause this to take place yeah. by your will? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what we lean on. The will of God. Yep. A hundred percent. So a couple things in John 8 that okay because all of that was stirring under the surface and that's what we were aiming at Mm -hmm. uh there's a few things that we didn't take time to mention Uh, one of them is we didn't read the first several verses of john 8 Mm -hmm. the a really familiar account of the woman caught in adultery Uh, in fact uh, as we read the passage chuck mentioned it as he did the scripture reading this week and one of the reasons that we didn't read it is because in your Bible, there's a little footnote in there that says in the oldest manuscripts, this isn't in there. Right. It doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it's not in the Bible, although both of those things are possibilities. Right. <clears throat> it does mean that 
Now, here's my humble opinion. <laughs> I concur. I mean, I guess, but yeah. say your thing first, but then I will agree. Uh, this is probably a true story from Jesus ministry mm-hmm. that uh, was added in later by scribes who were, were sort of filling in the story with mm-hmm. truth that they knew probably yeah. pretty early, mm-hmm. but then you have divergent manuscripts. So I write a manuscript and John writes a manuscript and I take mine to my family and you take yours to your family. And then they sort of write their own manuscripts and they share it with the people they're connected with. And mm-hmm. suddenly those two manuscripts separate and go in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is you bet start backing generations up from that and you get to the mm-hmm. earliest ones and go, wait a minute, this story isn't in here. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not scripture. It just means we're going to treat it like your Bible probably treats it unless you have a King James Bible, oh. uh, because King James was actually, uh, codified before we found the older manuscripts. Yes. So uh, all the other ones have a little asterisk next to it that say, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, this isn't in the oldest one. Be careful with this. Yep. It, we kind of bracket that off. Yeah, especially there are versions that are uh, translated based on the majority of the text rather than the oldest. And so you have that even that difference there. Yeah. Um, and one important thing is with something like this, you look at it and go, well, if it wasn't there, you look at it and go, okay, does this, is this true to the gospel? Does this reflect who we see Jesus to be throughout the gospels? Mm-hmm. This is absolutely who we see Jesus yeah. to be. Yeah. Hey, I heard, well, I heard, I read one uh, scholar's opinion about this, which is throughout the book of John, we see a pattern of uh, a teaching and an activity. Like uh, he will teach something and something happens. And then he teaches something and something happens. And then he teaches mm-hmm. something and something happens. And within the rhythm of the book of John, it actually, the end of John seven is a teaching. Mm-hmm. The middle of John eight, where we read is a teaching. Mm-hmm. The beginning of John eight is a happening. Yes. So just looking at that sort of literary framework it Mm -hmm. does fit in pretty well yes but all of that said (laughs) uh we didn't have time to dive into that because i knew where we wanted to go on sunday and we didn't have time to have that conversation about context Um, but we we see jesus standing in the temple having a conversation with temple type people so that's mm-hmm. going to be your scribes, your Pharisees, maybe a few Sadducees thrown in there, mm-hmm. uh, and the people who would hang out with scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, so we, you have a religious Jewish crowd gathered uh, in the temple, in the treasury area, mm-hmm. and Jesus is having a conversation with them about who he is and who the Father is who has sent him. Mm-hmm. And then he just says some wildly offensive stuff. Just, <laughs> just unbelievable. Uh, I can't believe you're saying this. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and what he's going to say is, listen, guys, you don't know me because you don't know God. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, the father, that this God that you claim to know, and, and you are the guardians of truth, right? Mm-hmm. You see yourself as the guardian of the galaxy. Like <laughs> everything that has to do with, with the Jewish faith and religion filters down through you. You're the authority. You're the enforcers. 
you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Crazy. <laughs> and they had a security team. Yes. <laughs> if you go to a church and and don't do this, please. Like if you're listening to this, don't do it. You're a jerk. Just vote with your feet. Go someplace else. But if you stood up in the middle of the sermon in that pastor's church and you said, you don't know the God that you are proclaiming, Mm. the security team would take you out. Yes. Like, and when they took somebody out, it it was more like the mafia taking somebody out. Like, (laughs) like you're out, you're done. Yes. It wasn't, we're going to take you out to dinner. Yeah. John is sleeping with the fishes, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we find this really interesting thing as Jesus says, listen, guys, I'm the light of the world. I am life in me. There's light in me. There's life. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, you're dead. You're in darkness. And you don't know that because you don't know this God that you claim that you are the guardians of his religion. And verse 20 These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Mm -hmm. It's the parallel, just as far as, I think it's super important when we read scripture, remember this is a real thing that's happening. Yes. These are real people. It's a real circumstance. If you were in it, it's kind of like watching The Office where it's set up (laughs) to make you cringe, like to make you feel like I'm in this moment and I'm super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is super uncomfortable. In fact, John writing this is saying it's so bad that they should have arrested him. Yeah, because they they want to kill him at this point. Yep, and no one touched him. It, you're, you're meant to be shocked by the fact that no one touched him because mm-hmm. if you're in the crowd, you're like, oh no, what's going to happen? <laughs> yep. This is Jesus. Jesus, don't say that. Don't. No. 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 <laughs> it's like so it's like on the office where they say something cringeworthy. And they just sort of sit there while the camera still is focused on them for a few seconds. And you're like, okay, what, what, what next? That was, and then it just moves on. Yeah. We need, this is that pause. We need Jim in the temple crowd here (laughs) where Jesus says this. And then the camera pans to Jim's face and he makes that like smirky, like, "Uh Oh yeah, that's bad. That's that's what Peter was standing over there. doing. Peter's the Jim face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it there's a really important aspect of this, and in fact, it's something that you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. when we were talking about this podcast. Mm-hmm. Is my hour has not yet come? Yes, yeah. I the the parallel here with John 17 is incredible. When he says it says no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Uh, in other words, God was this this whole plan of redemption was going according to God's time schedule. Yep. Um, this wasn't just whenever the Pharisees decided enough is enough and they arrested him. No, there, there are other instances in scripture where it says they took up stones to stone him, but he walked out of their midst. I love mm-hmm. that. They were ready to, to stone him. And it says, but he walked through their midst. Yeah. Uh, in other words, something happened. He just walked away because yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't up to them. Uh, and super important. And I love in John 17, so here it says, no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. In John 17, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says... Right before his arrest. Before his arrest. And the first thing he says is, Father, the hour has come. Yeah. 
And then what happens next after he's finished praying, they arrest him. Yeah. They couldn't arrest him yet because his hour had not yet come. But when he said, okay, the hour has come. Yeah. Then they could arrest him. But even then, <laughs> when they, when they, he says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. They fell to the ground. Yeah. So even though it was time, it was still evident that, no, this is only because God is letting this happen. This is God's plan. I shouldn't say letting it happen. Yeah. He is orchestrating yeah. it. Uh, Isaiah, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, to yes. put him to grief. Yep. Uh, but on his timetable, on, yep. he was not for one second at the mercy of the crowd. Yep. Not for not for a second, which is why he can stand boldly and proclaim, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to God. <laughs> like life and light is found in me mm-hmm. because he entrusted himself. I, I say nothing except what I hear from the Father. I, yes. I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. And he's entrusting himself fully into God's hands. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we stand in in the same place because we stand in Christ, and yet we stand in a slightly different place, knowing that um, although the same thing is true for us, we're much less aware of God's timing. Yeah, and He, yeah. I don't think it's because like we haven't prayed enough. I don't think right. He's revealed it to us. Yeah, yeah. And for some of us, and you look back at some of the heroes of the faith, especially those that you know, just thinking about uh, the Reformation and, and Reformation Day this week. Um, those who sorrowfully yet gladly went to their deaths for the sake of the gospel, proclaiming Christ, yeah. uh, proclaiming salvation in Christ alone. And their hour had not yet come until their hour came. Yeah. Yep. And some of them just, just horrible things happening to their physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And not one second were they at the mercy of those who were killing them. Absolutely. They were firmly held in the hand of God. Yep. Holy cow, if we get that right, yes. we start living different, even though we don't know the timetable. Jesus apparently did better at the timetable than we did. <laughs> yes. uh, we don't know that. We don't know how things are going to play out, and yet we are fully held in his hand. Yep. Yeah, I, I think of Stephen, you know, when he yeah. was being stoned and says he had the face of an angel, uh, and yet... I think the same is true for you, John. <laughs> Just the face of an angel. Well, uh, Kara told that to me. <laughs> now, she put the word fallen in front of angel, but... I don't know uh, what she meant by that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah he, I'm sure when he was... When Stephen was proclaiming Christ uh, in that moment, he wasn't thinking, "Oh yeah, okay, now after I, as soon as I get done, they're going to take me and stone me." Yeah. Um, but when that was happening, there was Jesus waiting. He was in control. God was in control every second. Super important, uh, and I think just to reinforce, this is God's timeline. This is this is mm-hmm. His hour. It, it's His moment of salvation, mm-hmm. and. There again, when we are sharing the gospel, just to tie this back into evangelism and discipleship, when mm-hmm. we're sharing the gospel, we don't know the hour. Yeah, We don't know what, what are the words, what are the circumstances, what's the timing that God's going to use for, for the elect, those mm-hmm. whom he has called from the foundation of the world. We don't know when. Right. And so we may be called to share gospel truth that leads to a break in a relationship. 
Yeah. Or we may be called to share gospel truth that leads to an incredible harvest of salvation right in front of our eyes. Yes. And we, we've seen both, Yep. to be honest. Yeah. And we also don't know uh, of the person standing in front of us, is this person uh, one of the elect? Right. Or are they going to reject this message and reject me? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, I love, I don't remember the exact quote that Spurgeon had on that. He's like, because we don't know that. And yeah. until we do know that, I'm going to preach the gospel to every person in front of me as if they are the elect. Yes. Yeah. Something about if I could lift their shirt tail, if there was a, yeah, to see if some mark that says they're the elect. Yeah. I can't remember the exact, <laughs> but since he couldn't lift their shirt tail, is that like, like in the early two thousands where because of just bad fashion sense, everybody had messages written on their butts. Like, you remember that? Like everybody's like the girls especially had pink. pink. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. either. (laughs) (laughs) But even if there was some kind of mark that said this person uh, is marked out for salvation, this person is not, Uh, we're going to be faithful Yep. To build those, that that was the whole point, build those bridges of relationship. But I'm not putting my hope in the relationship. I'm yep. not putting my hope in the friendship or in myself, mm-hmm. my, my ability to convey truth to them or them, their ability to hear truth and receive it. But the power of the gospel unto yes. salvation. And that's why a passage that is often uh, taken out of context just because the complete passage isn't used um, kind of like we were talking about in men's prayer meeting. Oh, look at verse 17b. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's just pick one tiny <laughs> part of the verse. <laughs> yes. Um, where it says, where God says, my word will not return void. And then people stop there. Like, oh, if you give the gospel, they're going to get saved. The rest of the verse says, it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Yeah. We don't always know what the purpose is. Um, you're saying, is it that this person is going to get it saved on the spot? Is it going to be that it will remove any excuse they may have before a righteous judge? Yeah. We, we don't know what the purpose is, but we can be certain that it will accomplish God's purposes yeah. uh, when we proclaim the gospel. It will fulfill God's purposes. Yeah. Hey, pull that, that analogy into the courtroom <clears throat> as uh, the word of conviction is read. So for the believer, uh, for the elect that God has called to himself, uh, the full conviction, isn't this where salvation starts? God convicts us of sin. He convicts us. Uh, we just feel contaminated before him, yeah, dirty before him, mm-hmm. and we can't wash it off. And into that, like God speaks the word of conviction and then gives the grace of repentance. Yes. And man, we turn and it's just, it's just mm-hmm. joyful The the word accomplished what he sent it out for, yep. but then flip that over again in the courtroom and the guilty person stands there and the word of conviction is read. Only the intention is not to uh, say this one has paid in your place. It was, you mm-hmm. will bear the full weight of this. And yep. that reading or pronouncement of judgment uh, leads to all of the punishment to follow. Yeah. And they stand yep. rightly condemned. Both of those, the word is spoken of the guilt uh, to one, the complete undeserved. It, it's just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Grace in Christ bringing <laughs> salvation. And to the other, that word that went out was actually to stack up judgment against them. Yep. 
Yes. And so we need to be careful. We're like, I did everything I was supposed to do. I shared the gospel. I was actually really upfront about sin and repentance, and they didn't want anything to do with it. I think we pray really hard. God, would you use this as the seed they can't get away from? Right. Bring this back towards salvation in their life. But we have to acknowledge this may be one more time where the the truth was stacked up against them and they'll reject it and reject it and reject it. And one day stand before God and in the courts of heaven, it will testify rightly. You knew you heard and you wanted nothing to do with it. Yep. Matthew 25, depart from me. Yes. You who are working iniquity. I never knew you. Never knew you. Mm hmm. We may have known him. We, we may have built lots of relationship, even friendship with him. I, I yeah. think as Christians, we should. Right. We should speak the truth. And yet we're not, even in speaking the truth and calling sin, sin, uh, we're not doing it uh, to end and break friendships. Right. Because we don't know the timing. So I'm going to speak the truth, uh, putting all my hope in the truth of God and his word. Right. And yet I'm going to do it lovingly, prayerfully, gently, hoping over a long period of time that this person who is made in the image of God mm-hmm. will hear the gospel again and again and again and again, and knowing there's a possibility one day, one day that will mm-hmm. be the moment that God causes their dead heart to come alive. Yes. And it's not because I got to say it so many times. <laughs> right. Like we're just part of the process. Yes. Well, it, you know, Jesus said, no man has greater life or greater love than to lay down his life for a friend. Um, but so many times we're not even willing to lay down our friendship for our friend. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> uh, and that was good, John. That's why do I sound surprised? That was terrible. <laughs> like you did something great and I subtly insulted. Holy cow, John, that was good. The phrase a broken, even a broken clock is right twice a day comes to mind. <laughs> No, super, super good truth that I think is worth repeating. Like <laughs> that, that whole thing of laying down your life for a friend, but are we willing to lay down a friendship for a friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if wow, that really tests why are we in this relationship? Yeah. Is it because we love them or love ourselves? Um, when we're not willing to lay down the friendship, it's it's really what well, we love ourselves. Yeah. Uh, not our friend. That's it. We're renaming so. the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast of John Mormon Truth and Wisdom. <laughs> Subscribe below. Uh, okay, so one of the questions that we got uh, was looking at John 8 down in verse 31. Remember, this is this conversation, real conversation, real people, real time is happening in the court of the temple, in this treasury. So it's sort of in the, the outer court, but it's happening in the temple context. And I'm just going to read several of these verses. Uh, Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, so mark that out. There's there's a a crowd of people, and within that crowd, some of the Jews had believed in him. Mm -hmm. Now, he's been arguing with the Pharisees up to this point in in a rather intense manner who have not believed in him. So we have a mixed crowd, those who don't believe in him, those who do believe in him. And he says to those who believe, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's offspring and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? And Jesus, is. if we just stop there, 
we could go like, oh, that's a that's a fair question. Hmm. It, it's you know a believer going, well, okay, how does this work? Like, I wasn't really that bad, right? You know, right. But if we keep reading, we actually run into a giant problem. And th- this was the mm-hmm. question: like, how can those who believed respond with? Uh, what's yet to come. Jesus answers them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains, he's talking about himself, Mm -hmm. forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And then he says this, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And... (laughs) Like, wait a second. I thought you just said they believed in you, abide in me Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. So they, the answer to this is so simple. Mm-hmm. These are real people. Yes. It, it's a real crowd, a real conversation. And it, you know, it's like anything, especially in the ancient world. And I'm, I want to say this kind of carefully <laughs> and with some deference to our community in which we live. Uh, there are some in our community whose lives are so bombarded with media and Mm. other forms of entertainment that attention spans just get real short. Right. Uh, and it takes a lot more to draw them to whatever is going on. And then there's others in our community who don't have some of those modern conveniences (laughs) and all it takes are a few lights and sirens. And literally Mm. the family gets on their bike and leaves the home and drives half a mile away because I could hear the sirens. And then 40 or 50 people end up gathered in a front yard. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this wow. as a police chaplain. Some accident happens and there'll be 40 or 50 people in the yard because they just came to see the show. Like, I'm wow. curious what happened. Now, it's also born out of genuine concern for neighbor and oh, like mm-hmm. what's going on, you know, in the end, what can we do? And I got to mm-hmm. say the Amish community does amazing Probably better right. than us right. when it comes to caring uh, for the community. Yeah, yeah. And yet, in this ancient world, in this context, so real people in real time, mm-hmm. all right, something exciting, something electric is happening, even if it's disagreement between mm-hmm. Jesus and the Pharisees. And they may not even know who Jesus is, but this crowd is growing. Like people yeah. are sort of surging and pressing in on this thing. And so Jesus is having a conversation with people who reject him. They don't want him. And in the midst of that, he speaks the word of life and God causes some dead hearts to come alive and they believe. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's a miracle of salvation. But you, now you have, and this is what I tried to get to rather briefly Mm. on Sunday in that moment of salvation, the crowd splits. We don't see it split, right? But it splits because now you have one crowd, but within it, you have Believers and unbelievers, mm-hmm. those whose whose dead hearts have just come alive to faith in Christ, and those whose hearts are still dead in their sin and they can't see Jesus, they won't see Jesus. Yeah, right. So Jesus keeps talking to the crowd as if it's one thing. Yeah, but think about when we've been in a large conversation. So not just mm-hmm. like you and me mm-hmm. awkwardly staring at each other with microphones <laughs> in front of each other, like. I know who you're talking to, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, but if you're, if you've got, I mean, don't even think big crowd, think like 20 people standing around mm-hmm. and in that 20 people, Matt and John are there and we're having a conversation and I say something and you say something in response mm-hmm. and good news, John, this is the day for you to get saved. 
John, <laughs> John believes. And uh, the Jesus character says, John, if you abide in me, you're truly my disciple. You've been a slave to sin, mm-hmm. but now you're in Christ. I'm going to make you a slave to righteousness. I'm going to put my righteousness on you. Yeah. And person number three in our, our small little crowd goes, hold up, wait a minute. Me and John are the same. We're actually brothers. Mm-hmm. We've never been slaves to anybody. They're offended. You, you've heard yep. it, and it's life unto salvation. And they go, we're not slaves to anybody. And the author here, now I shouldn't have used you as an example. Oh, because John. The author, John, <laughs> J-O-H-N, uh, doesn't tell us who's speaking. Yeah, It's all they. they. It's this real generic thing. But mm-hmm. if you think Jesus is talking to his disciples, those who don't believe him, pipe up, they're offended, mm-hmm. right? There, there are little snowflakes even back then. Yep. And they're like, how dare you say that? Our father is Abraham. Who's your dad, right? <laughs> this yeah. sort of subtle insult that's coming Jesus's way. And when we see that, all of a sudden, the context immediately tells us who he's talking to. Yes. Okay, so when he says, you want to kill me, is he talking to those who have believed in the crowd or those who rejected him? Uh... uh rejected (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't take you know sherlock holmes to figure this out yes Uh, but i i think and the reason to kind of belabor that is i think we read the scripture wrong so often Mm -hmm. and we read it as if it is just flat words on a page right just a a story in a book Mm -hmm. and the characters have no life yeah. They, they have no backstory. They have no motivation. Uh, there's, there's nothing really happening, but in reality, we're getting, we're getting a Polaroid. Yes. A, a snapshot, a, a capture of this moment. And within it are these incredibly rich people with incredibly rich lives mm-hmm. that we don't know anything about. And they're behaving just like we do today. Yeah. Which yeah. is sometimes responding in faith as God through the spirit caused their hearts to come alive and sometimes getting snotty. Yes. Yeah. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and one way is because of the way we've talked about it so often, which is just the way we say things. We talk about Bible characters and Bible stories. Yeah. And I know what it means, but these aren't just Bible characters, Bible stories. These are people in the Bible in recorded historical events. Mm-hmm. These are biblical people in biblical events, um, not just characters in a story. Yeah, uh, They are real people, real events. Uh, and this is a very fluid, dynamic event going on here yeah. um, where, it, it, well, like on any given Sunday, we have a mixed crowd. Um, it's a real thing going on here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so there's one more thing, and I'm, I'm looking for it real quick here. Uh, it's early on in this discussion. Mm-hmm. So we, we've hopefully really laid the groundwork, real people in a real place, having a, an exciting enough discussion that a crowd <laughs> is gathering around it, Yes. right? Uh, and into that, Jesus says in verse 15, because remember, he's making the argument to these religious leaders, you've missed it. This God that you you claim to proclaim, you've missed it. You've missed him. That's why you're missing me. Mm-hmm. And he says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Okay, well, that's a problem. 
it's a problem because so pull that out of out of this time period and pull it into our time period where I judge no one feels like a badge of honor that people wear around. Like, <laughs> no, I don't judge anybody. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten <laughs> yeah. stupid with that. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, like epically stupid with that. <laughs> yes. Yep. And and in a way where it's inconsistent with the rest of life. So even in Jesus time, he wasn't in 2022, but he wasn't saying, I don't judge anyone. I make, I pass no judgments, right? We all pass judgments all the time. Mm -hmm. What we're actually saying today is we've got a list of things that we've said, you're not allowed to pass judgment on this. Yeah. The rest of it, uh, like if you're in a busy city and you've decided to cross the street and you see a car coming, I pass no judgment. Is this mm-hmm. person going to run into me or not? I don't know. I pass right. no judgment. <laughs> I'm no just judgment. going. Well, you're an idiot and you're also probably dead. You know, like it, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. That's clearly not what Jesus is saying. Like we, mm-hmm. we pass judgments on things all the time. Yeah. So what is he saying, Pastor John? Help us. I think that what Jesus is saying here is Well, he... I think... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I think he says, I judge no one. He does. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we see just even from previous passages um, that he does make a determination between when people are doing something right and when yeah. they're doing something wrong. Um, so he is certainly not saying, oh, I don't ever tell anybody they're wrong. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's... Up to chapter eight, it's happened over and over and over, especially in his conversations. You brood of vipers. Well, that's kind that's of a say, judgment. <laughs> that's, that's a judgment. judgment. Yeah. Um, it's Jesus who's going to tell the story about himself, a parable uh, in Matthew 25 of he will sit on his glorious throne, mm-hmm. gather the nations to him, and then separate them like a shepherd separates the sheep and the yes. goats. And with each one, he's going to make a judgment. I knew you. I didn't yeah. know you. Yep. Yep. You you loved, obeyed, and followed and trusted in me, or you did not enter into the kingdom or depart from me. Yes. It, like we have a promise that Jesus will judge. Yeah. That's part of our creed. Everyone. Yeah. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. We confess that every week as a church. Yeah. So he's clearly not it just in the broader context. This is why you can't just read one part of one verse and mm-hmm. go, no, Jesus judges no one. And that's why we as a church accept. Da 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 da. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible uh, theological approach. Mm-hmm. You have to look at the overall message of Scripture. It, yeah. Does that interpretation fit within the overall interpretation of Scripture? No, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't even fit with the very next words that come because he says, <laughs> yeah. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, <laughs> <laughs> yep. my judgment is true because it's what the Father is saying, and I'm just saying the same thing. Yep. It, like, He's saying there are judgments to be made. But I I think the big thing that he's after is in the first coming of Christ as suffering servant, Uh he did not come to judge the living and the dead. He will. That's our confession. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Not as suffering servant, but as sovereign king over everything and everyone. Uh, Right now, we live in this protracted time of grace uh, for nothing yeah. else. Not, not yeah. everybody's given grace, but they're given time. 
Yep. At time to hear the good news. It's what we were talking about earlier. They, yeah. they are going to hear. They're either stacking up uh, grace unto salvation for themselves where God mm-hmm. will open their eyes or they're stacking up condemnation. Like yep. you heard again and yeah. again and again, which if you go uh, back, we, we mentioned this on Sunday. Uh, did you notice I just said we mentioned it? It's, it's like the royal we. <laughs> the royal we. Yeah. All the weight of the church rests upon me. I mentioned on Sunday, the end of John 3, and everybody's super familiar with John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that those who would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then you fast forward to the end of the chapter, and the last words are, and yet for those who are not in Christ, uh, judgment and wrath remains upon them. Yes. Like there is there is judgment found in this, but Romans 1 is going to tell us that our world is suppressing the truth. They are, they are storing up wrath for themselves, and yet mm-hmm. we don't see it played out day by day, minute by minute. Right. It, it's, it's within this lifetime that it's stored up, but there will come that this is the language of the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament looking mm-hmm. forward. A day, yes, the day of the Lord, yep, where it will not be Jesus, the suffering servant who judges no one, mm-hmm. it will be sovereign king who judges all, yes, as I say, the great and terrible uh, yeah. day of the Lord, not yeah. Oz, the day yeah, of the Lord, yeah, yeah, the day of <laughs> Oz was a sham, <laughs> Jesus is not, Jesus is not, yes, <laughs> he's Oz was the little guy behind the curtain, <laughs> yes, yeah, they. Oz, the great and terrible. Uh-huh. That is, they did say that. Jesus is the one on the white horse uh, with a sword coming out of his mouth. Yes. And all the armies standing behind watching as he levels the nations. Yep. Oh, that's great and terrible. Yes. <laughs> there again, that should drive us knowing the reality of what is and what is to come. Yep. Even when the scripture doesn't tell us how to do it, and I think I think there is, as individuals and as churches, uh, we need to be depending on the Holy Spirit, uh, listening to his gentle encouragement and nudging mm-hmm. when, man, maybe somebody's going through something at work right next to you. They're having a really rough day. Maybe they're even taking it out on you, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit goes, press into that. Yeah. Uh, what's what's going on in that person's life? Uh, look for an opportunity to bring light and life into the midst of their darkness, to point towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't wait for a program to come along. Yes. Super important. If we get Absolutely. that perspective right, we'll start seeing that jerk next to us at work mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's in desperate need of good news. Yes. And maybe their whole life is bad news. Maybe their their whole family life, their marriage, their finances, uh, even how they feel about themselves and their work environment is just bad news. We have an opportunity to be light in the midst of darkness mm-hmm. if we start seeing people rightly like that. Yeah. And we're willing to risk rejection for the sake of the gospel. I think it's then that we start joining Jesus on his mission. Yeah. I think it really underscores what Paul said in Ephesians 4 when he said that the purpose of of the church is to equip the saints to do that very thing. Yeah. Um, not to purpose of the church is not for the saints just to bring people to church. Yeah. Uh, so that as if that's to, the whole goal. Yep. It's to go out and do the work of ministry. Yeah. Yep. Good. So by God's grace, let's do that. Yes. Let's do better. <laughs> let's uh, be more intentional and 
there again, find ways to stir up, to provoke one another, mm-hmm. to love and good works. Yes. If you're not part of a community group, man, get in one. We've still got about the last half to two thirds of the book to go. Mm-hmm. And we're just reading it together. You haven't missed anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you will jump right in and be challenged to see your neighbors and loved ones differently yes. and be challenged. Okay, what what have you done this week? What can you do in the coming week mm-hmm. uh, to love them by sharing gospel truth with them, to love them by building relationships into their life that you might be able to do that. Yes. Be a part of that. Yes. Then join us this coming Sunday. Uh, 10 a.m. is our worship service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday school for all ages at nine o'clock. Yep. All right. All right. Good enough. Well, God bless you. We will see you Sunday. God bless.